What's up, Bikemer fans? Today, I've got the co-founders of Twisted Spoke CBD, a brand out of Colorado that is doing some really interesting things with CBD and hemp-based products and all that, you know, with a, a bit of a focus on cycling and products for athletes and stuff. So with me today are Wynn and Gabe. And uh, yeah, guys, just uh, introduce yourself so we know who, whose voice is who. Hi, guys. I'm Wen. We joke and say that I'm the roadie of the pair of us. And I'm Gabe. And yeah flat bars, mountain bike. Nice, nice, cool. So I, I definitely have a ton of questions about CBD because I think you guys are doing some interesting stuff by branching out into CBG and CBN and like a bunch of other stuff that I'd never heard of before I started talking to you. And it, they're, they seem to be outside of the mainstream marketing. Like literally all you see is CBD and it seems like you see CBD on everything these days. So I'm really curious what the differences are between the other ones and how those uh, benefit, you know, people in general, but athletes in particular. And, um, but I, I kind of want to start with, you know, my first big picture question really is like, you know, what does CBD do? But I guess, uh, I'm really kind of curious how you guys got into this, you know, like what's your real quick kind of cycling background and how'd you get into CBD to begin with? So, um, I grew up around bicycles and bike racing and my dad is a cyclist and that was my first introduction into bicycles and dropped out of high school really young and went to become a certified bicycle technician and always kept my foot in the door at bike shops. Um, and met Gabe working at a bike shop, um, after spending 10 years in the hemp and cannabis industries, um, running medical marijuana dispensaries as well as other production facilities and then moving on to hemp stuff. Um, and Gabe was brewing kombucha at the time while we were working in the bike shop. And I was yeah. like, dude, <laughs> let's put some CBD in that kombucha. And believe it or not, that is how the conversation started. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. To me, growing up in Miami, bicycles were an escape from the chaos. And believe it or not, there actually is a uh, single track cross country mountain biking down there and some pretty halfway decent stuff. Like I, I enjoyed it. So I was working at a bike shop just because I love bikes, everything about them, being around them. And it's kind of what I wanted to do. And, uh, when, and I also have another interesting connection. We're both sober. And kombucha, if some of you listeners don't know, is a fermented tea beverage that does have trace amounts of alcohol, but it's not meant to get you intoxicated. And I found it to be a really good uh, alternative to beer since I gave up alcohol, you know, after a ride and uh, having something nice and refreshing was something I missed. And uh, yeah, I started making it because I couldn't really afford it. And um, it turned into a little bit of a side hustle so I could buy shiny bike parts. Really, that was that was what it was. And um, it started turning into more of a business, getting some traction. And um, that I was actually lead sales at this bike shop and I was stepping down to pursue the kombucha. And that's where Wen came in. He became the new lead sales uh, representative or agent or employee, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah. Believe it or not, the cannabis industry doesn't really support sobriety. Um, and so <laughs> I was in a little bit of a transition period and was like, I want to go back to the bike shop because even though it's not necessarily like the best safe space for sober people either, it was better than uh, the cannabis industry at the time. So, <laughs> Right, right. So I guess by sober, I'm kind of curious, does that extend to marijuana and stuff too? Like, are you guys, I, I don't want to just say smoke because a lot of people- I really appreciate that question. 
So we both have very different relationships with the plant and with cannabis as a whole. And for me, I sometimes people refer to me as Cali sober. I smoke a lot of cannabis. I can still consider myself to be sober. I no longer use alcohol or drugs, but cannabis is definitely a part of my sobriety. And it's important that we bring up the conversation of, you know, cannabis being a good, safe alternative to a lot of other things and still giving people um, the ability to call themselves sober while using cannabis, I think is important. And sometimes in um, sober communities, we're not good at that. And uh, I'm just sober. I don't use any marijuana. Not against it. I mean, I just don't function. I, I can't. Doesn't work for me. But uh, yeah, I'm on that boat. Like it just, I I don't like the way I feel. The the few times I've done it in my life, it's just not for me. But yeah, uh, yeah, right on. Um, so as far as I, actually I, the kombucha thing, like I always say kombucha. So what is the official <laughs> proper pronunciation? Oh, man. Is it even an English word? I don't know, man. What sambuki? I hear all sorts of things, man. It's <laughs> that that bubbly thing with the snot in it, man. I'll, I'll take a right. bottle. <laughs> yeah, cool. Kombucha yeah, my wife threw some say. too. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, let's uh let's dive into the CBD side of it then. So, like top level, what's what's the point of CBD? I mean, I it's literally in everything these days. So, what is why would somebody want to take CBD and what should they expect to get out of it? We don't want to see people when they have an issue. We want to see folks before they have an issue because our bodies are naturally producing compounds very similar to the compounds found in hemp and marijuana. And your body has uh, cannabinoid receptors. And so what we're doing is we're supplementing the body's natural cannabinoid receptors with some outside sources. And because of that, typically what we're doing with CBD is just allowing the body to reach homeostasis a little bit faster by supporting those natural systems. Um, so what are what are the natural substances our bodies are making that would normally interface with those receptors? They're cannabinoids. So your body is naturally producing cannabinoids as we speak. Um, they're not necessarily exactly the same cannabinoids, um, but you are producing very similar compounds all the time that are regulating your neurosystem, regulating your immune system, regulating your nervous system, and so. The cannabis plant, it's really interesting, right? That it works so hand in hand with what our body is naturally doing. Um, the fact that we have cannabinoid receptors is pretty interesting. So, I mean, why that is and why the plant works so well with the human body is, um, it, it's, it's a little bit of a miracle, believe it or not. You know, and, and we call them cannabinoids mostly because that's that's where we find them as cannabis, but they occur throughout nature. I mean, we see them in black pepper, chocolate, you know, they're, they're prevalent, not in such high concentrations as we see in the cannabis plants, but yeah, we see them all over. <laughs> right. So, and so, so what does it do? Like what's, if I, if all my receptors are full of cannabinoids or yeah, however you pronounce it, how, you, you said canna, canana, oh God. Say it for me. Cannabinoids. Can I... <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, all at once. Ready? Cannabinoids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's See, really I funny. I, <laughs> I went on YouTube to look at pronunciations as I was kind of discovering these new cannabinoids. Um, and everyone has their own pronunciations. You can find 10 videos and they all pronounce the same one differently. <laughs> so... You'll as long hear me as we and understand Gabe. what we're talking about. Yeah, right. yeah me and Gabe. Right. So assuming all my receptors are full, 
Yes. What's what should I be feeling or what's happening in my brain and body? So you're getting you know, it. Go for it, Gabe. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it really depends on the cannabinoid that you're filling those receptors with. And there, there isn't one receptor. There's two main receptors that we refer to, CB1 and CB2, but there are other ones. And different cannabinoids can act on one or even sometimes multiple receptors. But in general, you know, we like to think of CBD as a neuroregulator. Um, we like to think of it as something that is going to help our bodies work better. So, you know, if you can help your body um, respond better to stress, physical stress, if you can improve circulation, if you can bounce back faster from physical stress, that's kind of what we're, that's what we feel from CBD and other cannabinoids. You know, you take THC, it's a cannabinoid, it's going to have a very different effect. Um, and we can get more in depth as we talk about more specific cannabinoids later on. And, and we can, and we can get into, you know, a lot of the nitty gritty, but I guess what I want your listeners to really take home in terms of why do I want them taking CBD as cyclists is one, it's a really powerful anti-anxiety aid, right? Which helps us on the bike. It's really helpful as an anti-inflammatory and it's really helpful as a neuroprotectant. Um, all three of these things in combination, when we're putting ourselves through really trying physical strain, help us. And we want people to start thinking about this as a marginal gain, right? You're not going to get these miraculous responses as a cyclist. You're going to get these very small incremental things because you're in a better mindset, because you've recovered better, because you're more relaxed. It's not necessarily that it's forcing a different muscular change, all we're doing is we're reducing some of the outside stressors in order to allow your body's natural systems to work more efficiently. So one of my favorite th taglines that um, I love to tell people is CBD doesn't do much of anything. It modulates everything, right? So it's, it's modulating how our bodies are responding to this outside stimuli. And if we can tell our bodies to respond to that workload better, then we're going to have a better overall outcome. Um, and that really is, again, tied to the anxiety piece, the sleep piece, again, the anti-inflammatory piece a little bit. Um, but I think that the, the, the mood stuff and the anti-anxiety piece is really where most athletes get the most benefit from CBD. And yeah, we see, uh, sorry, go ahead, Gabe. I was just saying, we see the most benefit from regular use. So we want to see daily supplementation. And um, we'll get into, you know, more on that. But one of our biggest goals coming into this was to make an affordable product people could use on a daily basis because CBD is traditionally, honestly, overpriced. And, uh, you know, we wanted to make it attainable. We wanted to expand the market and let more people benefit from it. But and, using it daily is where we see more benefit rather than situationally. And, and most brands don't provide dosing that will give folks the effect that they desire. So let's say you crashed your mountain bike and you actually need real pain relief and real anti-inflammatory relief. The dose necessary to get the effect you desire frequently can be in a couple hundred milligram range not in this 10 milligram or 20 milligram range that most folks are taking. And so folks regularly would come to us and say, CBD doesn't work. And we say, why? And they say, well, I took 10 milligrams and it just didn't work. And we say, well, what were you trying to accomplish given your individual situation? If you're trying to recover from major injury, 
the dosage may be substantially higher. And that's not coming from me. It's actually coming from uh, a lot of FDA studies and um, even dosage recommendations based on FDA CBD drugs that are now available and approved. Um, the dosages for those drugs are astronomical. And it's not possible for people to take that when CBD costs so much, which is what Gabe was saying about it's like the whole premise of what we're trying to do with this daily supplementation thing, right, is not 10 milligrams. It's we want you taking 50 milligrams a day, so 25 milligrams twice a day. And that dosage is kind of what we consider to be the minimum effective dose to get outcome. And a lot of people need more than that. Well, you're not going to take that dose if it costs $180 a bottle for 2,000 milligrams or $200 a bottle for 2,000 milligrams, which traditionally is what it's cost. 2,000 milligrams for, for a must costs $44.99. So that way you can take a dose that is adequate. Yeah, it makes me think of like the the old Sobe beverages when those came out in the like 90s or whatever, where it was like it had all the, the herbal and nutraceutical ingredients in there, but it would be like one milligram or something like it's a complete bogus marketing ploy, right? Yeah. But people, I mean, that they sold the Pepsi for a lot of money for a reason, you know, because yeah. okay. people just bought into the hype. So, all right. So that that actually leads perfectly into like um, one of the the big questions I had for you is like, if you see CBD on like lip balm and bottled water and <laughs> soap and like literally everything. Right. So my, what I was thinking is like, well, Jesus, like how much, if I wake up in the morning, and I have CBD coffee, I put on my CBD lotion, I put on my CBD lip balm, I drink a CBD water on the way to work. I've who God knows what else, you know, all throughout the day. And then I take it at night, I take your tincture and stuff like, am I overdosing or it sounds like maybe I'm actually kind of finally get into that level where it might do something well something i want to throw in man cbd bath bombs people ask us about <laughs> cbd bath bombs all the time right and there's a reason that we're not making cbd bath bombs because we um don't want to take people's money for something that we believe is really hard to accomplish properly and not to say that you can't get benefit from a cbd bath bomb but cbd is not water soluble um without doing things to it and we can make it water soluble. We infuse it into our kombucha. It has to be done. But a lot of people are selling products that we don't believe offer true benefits. Um, and this I want to break down into oral versus topical product, right? We sell topicals. You, your skin is a barrier. You're lucky to be able to absorb 20% of the CBD that we put in the product, which is why we put such high amounts in our product. And we use other things to help improve the effectiveness of our topicals. Um, orally, you're much more likely to get 60 to 70% absorption um, from what you take. So, you know, we believe that the oral products are generally the most effective for a whole body approach. Um, and the topicals are going to be a really good product for, I, I call it localized discomfort or, you know, trying to achieve something specific like our chamois cream. So two things. I mean, one, the goal for Twisted Spoke is to create formulations that are effective for athletes. So first and foremost, every one of our formulations is designed to work for you rather than a lip balm or a bath balm like we were just talking about. Those things are not going to be really great ways to use CBD as an athlete and get the best bang for your buck. With that being said, 
you could bathe in CBD, you could eat in CBD, you can consume CBD all day long, and you will never have any risk associated with it. It is one of the safest substances known to man. The toxicity level of water is a lot higher than the toxicity level of CBD. Um, so just in terms of, well, is it going to negatively affect me? Is it going to interact with X, Y, and Z medication? Likelihood is no. There's a couple medications we will warn people about, but that's not because we're concerned about them. It's just because there is some scientific literature that says that it's best practice for us to warn people. But even with that said, they would be ha- they would be having to consume um, doses that um, uh, people take for epilepsy in the you know thousand milligrams a day kind of range which none of our consumers for the most part are taking. And at that point, then we'd be working with their physician to come up with a treatment program. And if you are taking that much on a daily basis, give us a call. We want to talk to you because that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's rare. That's rare. And we often talk about self-exploration too, when it comes to understanding CBD, because there's no one dose for every person. You know, we recommend that people journal for the first week or so of using any of our products to see what works for them. Take notes. You know, we tend to forget things. So take a note. I took this much on this day. I noticed this and, you know, it wasn't helping me. I started taking more and this is where I finally started to feel the benefits or, you know, I I took the bedtime tincture and I woke up feeling tired. It's like, okay, well maybe take less, you know? So self-exploration is really important and it's something that we we try our best to educate people on, but ultimately the person using the product is going to have to put in a little bit of work to see what works best for them. Right. Is it, uh, do you notice it's more like individually just kind of like tolerances or does it depend on like are, are heavier people or, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this in a mean way, but like leaner people versus, uh, let's see, less lean people. Like, do you notice, is it fat soluble? Like, are you, um, I don't know, like what's the, or is it just completely depending on like the receptor structure of their brains? Um, So it's both. Um, Weight does matter. And if we look at uh, that federally approved uh, CBD drug, it is based on weight. The dosage is actually based on uh, milligram per kilo. Um, But with that being said, my nine-year-old daughter typically takes a larger dose than Gabe does to get the same result. And that's not, that's not, I'm an outlier. (laughs) And and, and so again, right. Because your body is producing these cannabinoids because your body has these receptors, everybody is producing them and receiving them at dramatically varying rates. And so medical science likes to say, okay, we're just going to go based on weight. And that is one thing we can look at, but that's again, why those medicine journals are so important or supplement journal or as an athlete, let's just incorporate that into your training diary, right? Or we all have notes on Strava. Frequently, I will throw into Strava. This is the dose that I took, right? I did a, my first time trial in 12 years last weekend. And I took 500 milligrams before that time trial just to kind of see how is this going to affect my overall performance? I was trying to decrease my anxiety. And I think it worked. Um, and then the next day I took a little bit more and I think it worked a lot better. And so, and I, and I put some notes in there, uh, it was a stage race. So, and so I put some notes in there around, okay, here I think was the number where I truly got the most positive response. Um, and it, and it took a little bit of experimentation. So Strava can be a good tool. 
your training diary can be a good tool or just your standard daily diary, right? It's all about just being cognizant of what it's doing because it affects everybody so dramatically differently. Right. So one quick question on the the oral usage. Um, you know, you guys make a tincture, right? With a little dropper bottle and stuff. So like I've, I've been trying some of it and, you know, trying to like literally like dropper it so that it's under my tongue. It, Cause you know, I've heard there's like absorption under your tongue for some things is really good. Does that even matter? Or like, am I going to get better absorption there versus like swallowing and then it has to go through the stomach and all that stuff or in theory, um, you could say that you're going to get better absorption underneath your tongue. Um, that being said, I still default to record your experiences because for me, it's weird. I, I like to think of myself as an outlier. I can take really small doses of CBD and achieve an effect that I'm happy with. And um, I don't ever hold it under my tongue. I swallow it. You know, we, we like to say that most people are going to take about 60 to 120 minutes for that CBD to really start building up in your system once you ingest it. I can feel it faster than 60 minutes and most people can't. So it really depends on you. I have customers that swear up and down and say, oh, I put it under my tongue and I can feel it so much faster. It's great. If that works for you, please do it. But um, again, this is where the self-exploration piece is, it comes in. Um, you know, th there are certain theories. We, we like to use the term the entourage effect and we have different types of product. All we've been talking about is CBD right? We have CBD isolate, and that is just pure CBD in oil as a carrier. And then we also have full spectrum. So full spectrum is a whole plant extract, and this has potentially hundreds of cannabinoids in it, um, including THC um, in very, very small quantities, but enough that we believe it can give a positive effect. Is it enough for like people who are drug tested at work that they should stay clear of the full spectrum products? Or Usually, yes. There are things called ratio tests, and if your employer is okay with you using a full-spectrum product, ask them about a ratio test because it can say you have a small amount of THC and a large amount of CBD. Um, you know, okay, you're, you're not lighting up blunts on your lunch break. That's fine. But the, the point of, you know, holding it under your tongue versus absorption in the gut you know, things interact with each other in the gut. And we like to use the term entourage effect, again, going back to that full-spectrum product. It's an interesting experience for me. You know, when I take a full spectrum versus an isolate product, it's noticeably different for me. And, you know, the way that they interact with each other in your gut can potentially create some new chemicals and can absorb a little bit differently than under the tongue. Chances are you're going to have a good experience either way, but I'd say try both. See what works for you. Right. If somebody just wants to try one, because they are still expensive, you know, um, yeah. just probably say maybe go with the full spectrum and first, or what would you recommend? Always full spectrum. THC is fat soluble. It will build up over time and you do risk a, a positive test for THC on a, on a drug test. Um, but if you're not concerned about that, it, always full spectrum. And, and I want to jump into this testing thing here really quick. One, because it's a cycling podcast and two, because it's a very complicated subject. Um, so there's a very big difference between employment drug testing and WADA drug testing or doping administration testing. Doping administration or WADA testing and the UCI testing that's going on, they're using a threshold of THC in your blood. Whereas with employment testing is, does it exist? <laughs> right? So WADA testing is 150 nanograms per deciliter with a 5% room for error, which pushes it up to 175 nanograms per deciliter to 
create a positive test. What does that mean? That means that you are stoned. It is a test that is based on intoxication. (laughs) And anybody who fails that test is intoxicated because your body... So yes, THC stays in your body for a long time. But we see a really sharp peak about 20 minutes to 45 minutes after ingestion. And after that, we see a really, really, really rapid decline. So you could smoke... I'm not giving anybody advice. But you could theoretically (laughs) smoke a joint at the start of a five-hour event and be tested at the end of that event. And you were in violation of the rules at the beginning, and you would test clean at the end. Uh, And and again, so on race day, in order to be 100% compliant with water regulations and the spirit of the rules, we recommend that everybody use our isolate product on midnight of race day. That means you can use our full-spectrum CBN before you go to bed. You can use the full spectrum tincture all the way up through your training every single day. As long as you switch to isolate on race day, I have zero concern over you ever testing positive because of the rapid decline in the amount of THC in your system. Interesting. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, what's what's the half-life? So like for, for CBD and stuff, like if, uh, if I were going to take some in the morning, like for whatever reason, busy work day, test at school, something I want to reduce anxiety, you know, race day. Like how long does that last before I may want to like top off or something? A great question. It really depends on you. Um, you're going, we, we do have some preliminary, I just want to, we give you a lot of wishy-washy answers and that's not because <laughs> we're trying to avoid your questions. It's because we have beliefs, but we're not trying to say anything concrete until we have the data. Some things we have really strong data on. The majority of things is entirely anecdotal. And that's because this product has been illegal until five years ago. And only now are we starting to get the scientific data. So I just want to be really clear to your listeners and to you that I'm we're not trying to be wishy-washy and we're always happy to get more in depth on individual topics if somebody wants to reach out to us. But this we also are super careful. Um yeah, well, there's a lot of laws about, about what you can say, you know, it, because it, there's a fine line between nutritional supplement and supplement facts versus nutritional product, nutritional facts, and then medical drug, exactly. right? Like, you, you know, you guys could get put out of business real fast if you said something that and, violated And to that laws. note, right, we don't use supplement facts or nutritional facts on any of our labels. It says product facts for a reason, because they're depending on if you stop, talk to the federal government or the state of Colorado. The two people that we talk to, right? They both categorize us as two different things. Um, in the state of Colorado, we're categorized as food. The federal government specifically says that we can't be categorized as food and that we fall under a supplement. Well, so it's, it's, we are still in this, uh, we're still in a rulemaking, um, point. So the federal government hasn't created any rules for the CBD industry as of now. They are allowing individual states to create their own rule structure. And we're really proud to be in the state of Colorado because we have the strictest rules in the nation. Um, and that makes us proud because we have the best oversight. And sorry to get off track, but I'm proud of this. We have the strongest oversight because of our history in marijuana and our history in hemp. Our state government has created amazing systems to make sure that everyone is producing safe and clean product that is traceable. Um, and that's in a lot of the other companies out there. 
um, can't say that if they're in Tennessee or in Illinois or in one of these other states that's pro- that are producing a lot of CBD products. And so you guys source all of the hemp that you pull the product from or whatever, like your ingredients are all sourced from Colorado as well, or at least the, the CBD source? Whenever possible, even with our packaging, right? We, we have our soft gels and the soft gel packaging is produced in Boulder from recycled milk jugs. Pedro's milk lovers. Nice. <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep everything as close to home as possible. You know, at the end of the day, me and Gabe, you know, have worked for a lot of assholes and <laughs> we don't want to be that company. You know, we, um, we donate a percentage of all of the chamois cream sales to cycling nonprofits. And we're in the process of transitioning um, all of the products, a percentage is going to be donated moving forward. Um, and the business is, we're really excited to do that. And with the kombucha, we, which again is not available nationwide, it's only available in Colorado Springs. If you come to visit and come to ride, please come and find some. 10% of those proceeds go to local addiction recovery nonprofits because we want to provide other people the same resources um, that we had so that they could ride their bikes and love life like we love life, love life. And, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if we weren't sober. So it's important to give back where we can to those people too. Um, we got a little off yeah. there. I apologize, but. That's uh, all right. It's all right. Um, let's, uh, I'm curious about the CBG and CBN. Um, what do you call it? Not isotopes, is- isolates or. Cannabinoids. Like divergence. <laughs> Cannabinoids, yeah. okay. Yeah. The uh, so what's let's start with CBG. What is CBG, and what's the why is that different and better or, or special? So we see CBGA, um, which becomes CBG, as the first one that the hemp plant is producing. Right. It's often referred to as the mother, and then that kind of diverges into other cannabinoids. Um, you know, into CBD and into THC, and then THC then becomes as it oxidizes CBN, and it, it gets complicated, but they all have slightly different uses, and um, CBG for us made a lot of sense in a topical application. Um, it has some interesting antimicrobial properties, which is why we thought it would be really, really cool in a chamois cream in particular. Um, but your skin is a barrier, but it does have cannabinoid receptors. And by putting CBD and CBG into a topical, we find that, you know, we're getting better effects um, by using more cannabinoids to hit more receptors. Um, in terms of, you know, orally, we've seen some very interesting things and we've learned a lot from our customers even in terms of what CBG can be used for. You know, it's, it's known to reduce intraocular pressure. So, you know, my dad has glaucoma and he deals with that. So something like CBG can help him. Um, You know, we didn't expect this. We had no literature on this, but it came up again and again. Uh, GI distress, Crohn's disease, IBS. We we don't know why, but people are finding relief from it. It's really cool. Um, And we're really excited. We feel like we're still at the forefront of, of, you know, what is going to be learned about these things and there's a lot but um we like exploring them for different benefits uh cbn you know cbn is an oxidized form of thc so as thc ages and gets pressure and heat it it turns into cbn and personally i find two interesting side effects from that one it knocks me out 
You know, I can use CBD to relax my mind, to relax the racing thoughts, to kind of find more physical comfort if those are things that are keeping me from falling asleep. CBN, I can take at 7 p.m. and be knocked out by 8 so I can wake up for those early rides in the summer when it's too hot to ride late. You know, uh, the other interesting side effect that is really, really rare, but again, I have those outlier things. Uh, it gives me the munchies, strangely enough. I don't eat after I take <laughs> CBN because I can't stop. <laughs> but I've, I've yet to see that in another customer, but I've seen it time and time again in myself. So I just, I put it out there. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So you guys gave me a, a few different products to try out when we were out at Sedona. So a few weeks back, by the time this airs, it'll be about a month where I've been playing with some of them. And the, um, the CBN, yeah, the, or the nighttime formula, which is a mix of CBD and CBN is mm -hmm. like, I remember you telling me, well, if you take it right before bed and you wake up kind of grog, you just start a little bit earlier. And sure enough, like the first couple of times I did it, it was, I woke up just like, did not want to get out of bed. So I did try it <laughs> a little bit earlier. And yeah, I, I've noticed that it's weird. Like, I don't know that I wake up feeling more rested necessarily, but I think I definitely sleep through the night kind of more consistently on the nights that I've taken it, but I'm not, I'm not doing it every night to build up that kind of consistency like you talked about earlier. Um, so does that matter? Like, can people kind of take it as needed? Like if they, if their mind's racing, they could just poop, take a little shot. A hundred percent. And we actually encourage folks to not take it every day if they can avoid it because you build up a tolerance to any cannabinoid if taken consecutively over time. And over time, you will have to increase your dose. And then to get back to like what you're feeling. So it's really cool is we sponsor a number of professional cyclists and amateur cyclists. And so we've been able to get some data. And, you know, a lot of people are wearing fitness trackers now. And again, this is anecdotal, but our professional athletes have said to me over and over and over again, their recovery scores are dramatically increased when taking the CBN. And this isn't, this is across different people, different age groups, dem different demographics and different locations and different altitudes. But across the board, what we do see is that when you take the CBN, you have a better recovery score on your Whoop, on your Garmin. It's really phenomenal. You're able to reach deeper sleep faster. Um, they see uh, not necessarily increased duration of sleep, but increased amounts of deep sleep and increased amounts of REM sleep. Um, and I think that CBN could really help a lot of people. And it's a, it's a really special one. And it's really quickly become our most popular product, honestly. So maybe that's the product for like right after big training days, huh? Or before race day. You know, we had an athlete who won five national championships on the track last year. And so he won five nationals in uh, five days. He won one race a day. And he took that product every single night before he went to sleep. And he says it was really instrumental in helping him make sure that he was ready for all those consecutive race days. And on another note, he was tested six times in five days while consuming our full spectrum product after every race. Cool. Yeah. So actually I was going to ask earlier, but this is perfect kind of segue into building up an immunity to it. Like, should you cycle this on and off? Like if you were going to take it every day for a while, you know, like how, how many weeks or months should you take it? And then how long should you cycle off just to kind of keep the tolerances from building up? You really rapidly see a decrease in tolerance. So, you know, a matter of four or five days of a break can really uh, decrease months and months and months of buildup of tolerance. Um, to get a full, to get THC and all of the metabolites of cannabinoids out of your system, it takes a full 30 days, but that's not necessary 
in order to reduce your tolerance. It really is just a matter of a few for most people. What, what about like long term, right? So like, I think with some things you see some drugs that you take or some uh, products where like, like, let's use, I guess, testosterone would be an example, right? So like, I've heard if you go on testosterone, then your body will just see that you have excess and stop producing it. And then you end up becoming dependent on it. So if your body's already producing cannabinoids, and you're supplementing with it, is your body going to stop producing as many because it sees this excess in the bloodstream and realizes it doesn't need to make it? And then does that become like a long-term issue where now you're dependent on taking this, assuming you want the those receptors filled? There's been some really great studies done on, well, so the federal government, when marijuana was illegal, tried to do everything in their power to prove exactly what you just talked about. And they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to try to prove that there was some kind of dependency to cannabinoids and they couldn't prove anything. Um, with that being said, um, I do believe that people who use a lot of cannabinoids over time will respond differently. Um, I don't think that they're going to have a dependency. And I mean, the science is really clear that anybody, it's really easy for people to stop using cannabinoids. But anybody who has really long-term use of THC products typically interacts with our products a little bit differently. So I know, for instance, for me um, and for a lot of other THC consumers, the first few times they take CBN, they frequently won't have any response or they can even sometimes have an opposite response where it can make them feel a little bit awake. After that third or fourth dose, they typically have a normal response. Um, again, this is all very anecdotal, um, but that's typically associated with long-term THC use, and I think there's a correlation there. I like the uh, THC use. It sounds better than smoking weed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and if I can... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I used to smoke tons of weed, but um, <laughs> I don't come from the cannabis world like Wen does, and I am a skeptic in general. So when when was like, let's put CBD in your kombucha, my first thought was, is it going to get me high? What is this going to even do? Why am I going to take this? And as I learned more and more about it, you know, I, I grew to really love it. I grew to understand the benefits that, that I experienced. That being said, when I first started, it was like, okay, well, let's take full spectrum for two months straight and see what happens. And then let's stop taking it for a while and see what happens. Because I wanted to speak from my experiences. And then I went to taking only isolate. And there was a period of time where I took no CBD at all. And for a month straight, I took CBG every day because I wanted to know from my experience. So I'm not bullshitting people. And um, I've done some harder drugs than cannabis. And I've experienced withdrawal symptoms that are really, really unpleasant. Um, and when I did stop taking CBD just to try to experience any sort of withdrawal after long-term use, it was akin to not having coffee when I wanted coffee. I wouldn't say that I was miserable to be around and hated everything, but I felt something, but I adjusted really quickly. So I, I can give you that from my experience. Um, there isn't enough data to speak on from you know what the masses can expect, but yeah, you know, like I, I'm sure I, I did build some sort of dependency on supplementing it, but I adjusted very quickly in my experience. Again, it, it was not a big deal for me. Yeah. And you kind of wonder like how much of that is in your head too, right? Like you just, yeah. you, you think you need it or you enjoy it, you enjoy it. So you're like, well, I need this. But um, I mean, much like I enjoy coffee, right? Like I could probably function without it. I just, 
better with it. Um, so then like when, so for people who, you know, uh, consume THC, you know, whether it's whatever form we're talking about, whether it's, you know, smoking or edibles or gummies, whatever, right. Like basically marijuana products. Is that like, why would you want to also supplement with CBD products? I mean, wouldn't you just be getting enough just from the weed? I hear that all the time. Um, no, um, they, they just, they react so much differently, right? Um, THC is not a great anti-inflammatory. Um, THC can cause anxiety in a lot of folks. Um, it, it's in certain people, it can help with sleeplessness, but for a lot of folks, the psychoactivity will actually stop you from falling asleep. So to compare the two, uh, I, I don't think it's fair. It's not apples to apples. And I think that THC users frequently underestimate CBD because they're taking it in doses similar to that of THC. And the effective dose of THC is 10 milligrams, right? Like we talked about this. We, CBD frequently was given in dosages related to THC dosages. We're trying to convince the populace with our products and with our price points that CBD dosage and THC dosage aren't one and the same. And any THC user that's listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to try our product and try using CBD in larger doses um, because it really interacts differently. It's a different tool in the toolbox. Um, THC is great. And I use THC after races. I don't like smoking a big joint before I go and race my bike. Well, guess what? A big dose of CBD, I can get a lot of those same positive benefits without any of the negative ones, if that makes sense. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking really like two different plants, right? Like marijuana is the THC and then hemp is where most people are sourcing the CBD products that we see on all the shelves, right? So you got to love bureaucracy, right? And <laughs> the federal government decided that they understood botany better than the botanists. Who'd have thunk? The fact of the matter is, is that all the vast majority of hemp that's grown in the United States is closer genetically to marijuana than it is to hemp. We have crossbred marijuana into industrial hemp in order to get industrial hemp to produce really high levels of non-psychoactive cannabinoids. Industrial hemp should grow like bamboo in the sense that it's 25 feet tall, has almost no branches, produces almost no cannabinoids, and produces primarily fibrous pulp material. You mean like natural hemp? Because yep. you said industrial hemp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the United States, the vast majority of hemp plants that you see look like short, squat bushes that resemble indica plants that are traditionally high THC producers. Unfortunately, the most valuable thing that we can produce from hemp right now are cannabinoids. And because of that, we have bred out a lot of the industrial hemp um, from these plants in order to produce the more valuable substance. And because of that, most of the hemp is very closely related to marijuana. That does not mean it's going to get you high. Okay, so I want to clarify. So when you say industrial hemp, then I guess uh, maybe like, are you talking about like the people trying to use hemp for uh, fibers for fabric and, you know, like hemp fiber? Yep. And so, and, and, and that's still grown. It just is primarily grown in China and in Russia. It just isn't primarily grown here in the U.S. Gotcha. There's only about a 
uh, and I was actually reading the article this morning, I believe it was 80 acres that was grown in Alamosa. And that was it. Huh. It's just 80 acres, which is bare, which isn't even enough for Patagonia because Patagonia is trying to pr- produce hemp fibers in Alamosa, Colorado again, which is amazing. So now what we're trying to do is convince hemp farmers that were growing high CBD strains to convert over into producing industrial hemp so we can bring fiber manufacturing back to the U.S. I don't know, man. I think the, the dollar incentive for them is probably on the CBD version of hemp, no? Exactly. And, and that's why people are still doing it. But the value of hemp has dropped dramatically. And this is one thing that people don't want you to know because they still want you to pay $200 a bottle for your tincture, is that the value of hemp is nowhere near where it was when these companies came up with their pricing structures. And it's not fair for them to continue to pass that pricing on to the consumer. The val- and because of that, we're now seeing that, so in the state of Colorado, um, in 2018, there was over 200 licensed hemp farmers in the state. Today, we have closer to 50 licensed hemp farmers in the state. So how is, how is pricing going down if you have fewer farmers? Because the, the, those 200 plus producers in the state produce so much volume that they're still selling it. Jeez. So there's, there's not a, I mean, that seems like a really long shelf life on a raw product unless they're just extracting and like, what is the shelf life on the plant like that? And then also the finished product. The, the raw plant material has a shelf life of, it depends on who you ask and what you're trying to do with it, but it should be extracted within six months of harvest. Um, and once you do extract it, it has a pretty indefinite shelf life. As long as it's stored properly, you will see some small changes in a little bit of degradation over time, but we're talking about tiny percentage points. And Gabe was talking about how these cannabinoids convert from one to another with age heat pressure. So frequently what happens is we will have a product that was, for example, 80% CBD. One year later, we test it again, and the CBG percentage or the CBC percentage or the CBN percentage has increased by two percentage points and the CBD percentage has decreased by two percentage points. So it's not that those cannabinoids are disappearing, it's just cannabinoids are changing and moving and doing different things. Um, but, you know, and again, we don't need to get too much into the science. The, the, point of the, the point of what I'm trying to get across here is that it is not fair for folks to be passing on the initial cost of hemp to consumers because the value of hemp has gone down so much. And that's a big part of what we're trying to convince folks is try our product. We're giving you the same quality for a fraction of the cost because we can and because it's the right thing to do. And it's just it's just a matter of time before these other CBD companies catch up to us. And eventually they will. Yeah, well, I think at some point, like the the market will drive the prices down. It, it's almost like I hate to say a race to the bottom, right? But once one person lowers their prices, if everybody else wants to be competitive, you kind of have to keep lowering. Then, so at that point, then you you're switching gears and you're almost trying to market the other way, right? Like higher quality, so we can charge a little bit more than these bargain basement brands. Exactly, and we don't we don't consider ourselves to be bargain basement. We could have priced our product a little bit lower. We could even purchase our product for cheaper. We have really strict standards within our business that we were going to maintain. And we chose a price point that we knew was going to be sustainable. So I do expect the value of hemp to go back up in the next few years because the supply is decreasing so dramatically. 
Is that because more people are starting to use it? I mean, it's like literally in everything. I mean, we have some, I know people in North Carolina where I am that have started farming hemp because mm-hmm. they could get so much money for it compared to the other crops that they had. So I, I would have thought supply would be increasing, which should theoretically drive prices down. And that's what happened. But so many people and so many farmers grew so much hemp that now we're seeing a back turn, right? So hmm. we we had so many people grow so much hemp that now we have a lot of people that are switching back to traditional crops again because they were not able to be successful growing hemp. The majority of hemp farmers in the United States have failed. Interesting. We're coming up on an hour, so I, I, I did want to touch on ingredients. You mentioned quality of ingredients, and I, I know when you guys explained like the oils and the different ingredients you were using and some of the topicals and especially the chamois cream, it, it's impressive. So maybe you could touch on that a little bit, like how you formulated those. You know, honestly, we're a couple geeks from <laughs> bike shops, and uh, we asked the right people for help. You know, we, we went to companies that this is their forte and, and their expertise, you know, we wanted to make more effective topicals. So, you know, we started putting other really cool things in them. Like, you know, our topicals are, are designed as a set right now. We currently have three. We've got our sports gel, which is kind of like a, a pre-workout muscle rub. Um, some people like myself actually like it on joints as well. We've got the chamois cream, which is going to increase comfort during your ride. And then we've got our recovery cream, right? So ideally, you want to use all of them. Um, With the sports gel, which is a very strong cooling sensation, Um, we're using alcohol as a carrier. Um, We're using other things to also help open the skin up so we can get slightly deeper penetration. Uh, We're putting other things in there. There's arnica in there. There's tea tree oil. There's camphor, menthol. Um, don't use it on broken skin. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there to make it a more effective product than just CBD and CBG. You know, we, we wanted to have a good rub and then add CBD and CBG to it. Our chamois cream, we spent almost a year developing the base and going back and forth with a company that was helping us to figure out, you know, we want the best chamois cream and then we want to add cannabinoids to it. Right. You know, we had a a rider who was testing it early on and he's like, I just did a century and this might be too much information, but, um, there's, there's still like chamois cream in there. And I'm like, yeah. Like, did you even think about it once? He's like, no, I'm like, good success. That's what we wanted. (laughs) That rider that Gabe is referring to is John Croom and he got third in unbound gravel and that was his first time using it. He was like, oh my God, I just finished Unbound and I don't <laughs> feel anything down there. And I was like, nice. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it depends. Is that from numbness? <laughs> no, not from numbness. Well, strangely enough, here's a really good thing I want to throw in. Increased blood flow, right? I met a rider when we were testing out the product before we released it who experiences um, numbness very quickly. Um, you know... And, and I had heard things about, you know, maybe we can help increase blood flow, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I didn't want to get too excited. Uh, this guy generally would be able to ride for about 20 to 30 minutes and no sensation whatsoever. He'd be gone. He would have restricted blood flow, uh, shrinkage, et cetera, all sorts of fun. And I got him a sample with the CBD and CBG. And I reached out to him after a few months and I was like, how's it going, man? I want some feedback. 
And he said, dude, this is unreal. I can ride two, two and a half hours before I start to experience what I used to experience in a half hour. Like he still experiences the numbness, but it increases his comfort for a substantial amount of time because he's experiencing better circulation down there. You know, he's got damage from years of racing bikes and and just, you know, pressure and abuse. And, you know, it's really cool the kind of things that we're seeing out of these products. Um, the chamois awesome. cream is my absolute pride and joy. I have suffered from saddle sores my whole life. And in the cycling world, we don't talk about saddle sores enough. Um, we don't talk about general health enough. Um, it's, it's an uncomfortable topic, right? So I just, our, our chamois cream is pH balanced for everyone. Um, it's a, the first non-gender specific chamois cream out there, we think. Um, and we want everyone to feel comfortable using it. Um, and that comes down to, um, the fact that it really does decrease the likelihood of having bacterial buildup on your chamois. And my issue with saddle sores, um, are actually getting like bacterial boils that happen that have to be like drained. Um, and they're really quite gross. And I have found that the CBG in particular really decreases the likelihood and the frequency of that happening. And it requires me using it every single ride. So that way I'm not, um, ever exposing my underside to that bacteria. Um, but I've had just amazing personal results and it was really a product that honestly I made for myself. Nice. I've, I've only had a chance to try that on one ride, but I do, I really like the consistency a lot. Like it's, it's the right thickness. I think like it, yeah, it's, yeah, just it's designed to be a barrier, man. It's not, you know, when we went to the company we were working with, we're like, you know, we, we don't want this to absorb. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, we want to create a long standing barrier. So, you know, and we have people using it in other applications, thighs chafing, sports bras. I mean, we, we had a guy who was putting it on his ears because of um, the mask mandates and it digging into his ears all day. And he was like, this is great. Um but yeah, our, our topical set, getting back to that, the recovery cream, right? Why have recovery cream and sports gel? What's the difference between them? What, what are you getting at? And the recovery cream is designed as a, a recovery cream. You know, your skin is a barrier. How do we penetrate that barrier? It's our only non-vegan topical. And we say that because we use something called emu oil, which is a fat it's a penetrant, it's an anti-inflammatory, and it's a carrier. So we're using it to bring things through, you know, the skin as deep as possible to get deeper tissue relief. You know, we're putting glucosamine with MSM in there. There's turmeric in there. There's all sorts of things in there. And we really encourage you to try it for the recovery cream, a really cool trick. Take a hot shower or a steam, open up the pores in your skin, and, and you'll find that it may work a little bit better for you. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't want to just put out Me Too products. You know, we want to put out cool things. And we're really, really excited to keep doing so. Awesome. And, and, and again, just to get back to why we use that emu oil, we talked earlier about the topicals only getting 20% absorption. That's why we use so many cannabinoids. By using the emu oil, in theory, we are dramatically increasing the bioavailability um, because of the structure of that emu oil. And that emu oil really helps draw those cannabinoids in. And in theory, increases amount. Cool. Awesome. Guys, that was a lot to digest. And I, I like it. Like, that was great information. I mean, honestly, I didn't know how long this conversation was going to last. So I thought we'd just kind of rip through like, hey, here's about CBD. But I mean, I learned a lot. I think it's fascinating science. Appreciate your time. Where can people find out more? Twistedspoke.com or? 
twistedspokecbd.com, at twistedspokecbd on Instagram. You can also reach out to us, info at twistedspokecbd.com, or find our, our phone number on our website and give us a call. We answer. It goes to both of our cell phones. And, you know, that's that's something else that we pride ourselves in is being able to actually connect with consumers and bike shops and employees because the education piece here is huge. Stuff is confusing. Please reach out. Cool. And we won't always go to our cell phones. We're very quickly getting to a point where that won't happen. But we always will provide a level of customer service for folks who have questions about dosage and using it for specific reasons. And that's something that other CBD brands don't do that we pride ourselves in and will always continue to do is be a resource for folks as they're doing their own self-exploration. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this interview and you want more great chats with the people behind the brands and products that we ride every day, hit that subscribe button. And if you have a second, leave us a rating and review. That helps us reach more riders around the world and continue to attract top guests. For a list of all of our episodes or to suggest a guest for a future episode, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast. In the meantime, you can catch all the latest news on bikerumor.com or follow us on social. We are at bikerumor on all the things. Until next time, stay safe out there and keep the rubber side down.